welcome to a new world of entertainment. The Ultimate Films Television Podcast. Featuring Mike Winkler. Alistair Engelhardt. Daniel English. Jeremy Larson. And Jason Kabasi. Created by friends. All film lovers. We feature in-depth discussions. And celebrity interviews. This podcast available on all major platforms. Welcome to the Lights, Camera, Action Entertainment Reviews Podcast. On this episode... So what's a single gal like you doing rattling around this big house? Well, I assure you, I'm married to a man. A human one. One. What's it mean? I'm not we are an unusual couple. Oh, I don't think that was ever in question. We just don't know what to expect. <laughs> Howdy, neighbors. Hey, buddy. Wanda, what's up? Who are you? I don't know. Something's wrong here. Wanda, can you hear me? Who's doing this to you? Are you here to help? <laughs> this is our home. Then let's fight for it. Well, I think we handled that well. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Lights, Camera, Action. I am here with Alistair Engelhart, Mike Winkler here, and Dan English. So, guys, uh, the Marvel Universe has continued in a very unique way, uh, different than what we're used to, because we're mm-hmm. usually used to movies continuing this, and now we have an original series, nine episodes, chronicling the beginnings of, really, Scarlet Witch. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, unique, really, in its style and presentation too Mm -hmm. and so i think that's the first thing i would want to talk about is i mean we're we obviously spoil every time we talk so given (laughs) the context of the marvel universe with vision dead Mm -hmm. my number one assumption was this may be before Endgame, um, when they're still alive and together. And so I I just didn't know what to expect of the series as a whole. I didn't know when it was going to be. Uh, I didn't know how seriously it was going to take itself. And I certainly didn't know 
once I had caught wind that it was like old school television. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, essentially one of the things it, each episode has a pastiche of a decade of TV. Um, and I think it starts in the fifties. The Dick Van Dyke, see, uh, yeah, see, yeah, uh, early fifties, I think, genre. Yeah, um, and so I, yeah, I, th- I thought that was really unique, mm-hmm. uh, and that yeah. that that was enjoyable. So. Yeah, and I think taking the the plot aside, um, you know, regardless of what people thought of the story itself, I think most people that I've talked to have been very impressed just by that piece alone, um, just that how well they captured uh, each each decade yeah. uh, from episode to episode. I thought that was pretty cool. And actually a real, I, I think, uh, a testimony to the acting skills, uh, particularly of um, Bettany and, um, and Olsen. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I agree. I thought it was really interesting. And I'm sure somebody far more knowledgeable in the technical aspects of each decade of television um, and maybe even stylistic trends or motifs could mm-hmm. could get more appreciation out of it than I I could. Where it fell flat for me, though, is <clears throat> Mariah and I were talking about this, how, yes, it captured Dick Van Dyke, but mm-hmm. you know what was better than WandaVision's homage to Dick Van Dyke? The Dick Van Dyke show. And so the the plot lines that were captured in these little televisionettes were not strikingly original, to, in my opinion. I, I mean, they were cute, and I got it, and I enjoyed that part of it. But at the end of the day, I found the story in each of those to be a little bit too narrow. It was both too disconnected from the larger arc, which I was very interested in, Mm -hmm. but it was also not very original or entertaining in its own right that I found myself by the time we got to like the eighties and nineties, when you'd think I'd enjoy it more because I would have started recognizing like Malcolm in the middle shows I grew up with, Mm -hmm. but I was like, okay, I get it. I'm kind of tired of this. I just want to know what's going on. What's going on. Yeah. And that was, I was thinking about that today myself was just I do remember the first two episodes that I was not very impressed um because I I didn't know where it was heading it was interesting but it wasn't I I just wasn't sure if I if I necessarily wanted to invest my Friday evenings on that you know for eight or nine weeks mm-hmm. um and it wasn't until later in the series that i started really enjoying it and then looking back on the earlier episodes but and, and enjoying the earlier episodes after understanding a bit more of what had been going on yeah but i think some of my friends that started watching uh just the the hook wasn't strong enough and they they didn't stay with it and i think that was probably a failing on on disney's part was just not really understanding that we we do live in a um one, we live in a culture that that I think uh, is focused on instant gratification. And if you stretch things out too long, you lose a lot of people that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even too, I think um, you're, you're talking also to a group of people that are used to movies and getting to the point in an hour and a half versus waiting three weeks to get to the point. Mm-hmm. 
And um, so I'm going to push back on that yeah. a little bit because sure. I think in the binge watching on demand stream episode after episode, <clears throat> one of the things that was difficult about the pacing of WandaVision mm-hmm. was that we only got 20 minutes a week. And mm-hmm. an episodic release of a 20-minute show that only really advanced the main mysterious plot line by about mm-hmm. 10 seconds a week was mm-hmm. kind of challenging, you know? And, I, and I, I feel like we've... I mean, look at Game of Thrones. Look at Walking Dead. Some of the biggest television shows of the past 10 years, Breaking Bad, have been mm-hmm. extremely long form. And the conclusions of these storylines have in some cases taken years. Lost, I think, was a big example of of my first experience with this. Mm -hmm. But I found myself saying, okay, 20 minutes of a cute but mediocrely written comedy line Mm -hmm. that connected to a deeper, mysterious story that I only get to see five seconds of each week. Sure. Well... I was fortunate enough because I didn't end up start watching the show till it had completed. Um, I was hesitant for a while because when the first two episodes had come out, I was reading the reviews as to, like you guys had said, that the beginning was a little slow. We weren't really getting any sort of um, reason or why we were stuck in this WandaVision universe. Um, that it was just playing out like sitcoms and it was a weird sense of pacing for Marvel. It was, it was different for Marvel. And I think people were so taken back by how it started. And I think that what you said, Dan, about the format, how it was released, I think the first two episodes came out first, the first week, and then it was one every week. And the episodes were so short that I could see where people had been, uh, angry about how the first two episodes played out because we had 40 minutes and in those 40 minutes we just got a 50s sitcom feel with no sense of mystery or why the only thing we got i think was at the end of the first episode when we saw that woman in front of the tv screen at the end like she was watching and she wrote the notes but that to me wasn't enough to be like hmm this is intriguing or interesting um Mm -hmm. i i appreciated what what marvel did with the 50s structure i like what they did um, you're right. There wasn't much original brought to it. They were, they were really paying homage to it. 100%. There was nothing new being brought to the table as far as the skits they were doing. Um, but it, like you said, Alistair, with, with the performances of Olsen and Bettany, that is what carried those first two episodes and got me intrigued to continue watching it because they both did such a great job, um, conveying that fifties homage feel. Mm. yeah yeah I think, yeah i was gonna say i th- <clears throat> i felt like the less information i had about the mystery storyline the more i was willing to put up with the vague references to it so the mm-hmm. first episode it kind of felt like you know i'm gonna reference lost again because that's the most similar feeling i can remember is Ooh, what's going on? Like, what is the smoke monster? Who are the others? Oh man, mm-hmm. he used to not be able to walk. And and so in WandaVision, I thought, when is this? Where are they? Oh, 
someone's watching. So that, and once I knew it was in the present, I, I just was searching, thinking what's going on. And I really enjoyed the, the cliffhanger, but the more I understood about the, the timeline, the less I wanted just tiny little bite-sized bits of it. And that's where I, mm. I would criticize the pacing of the mid to late season. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I wish they would have made the transition to mostly modern, mostly revelation story like they did in this last two episodes. I could have, I could have experienced that a lot more early. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest part that was, I think, a problem is that that the episodic being caught in TV thing went on too long before we actually got some payoffs. They weren't really showing us or giving us any hints as to what was going on. Yes, we were seeing all the uh, weird things that Wanda was seeing or Vision was seeing, but they were never really building off of it. They were just scratching the surface and then all of a sudden they would change the scene like, oh, you know what? You're not going to get that right now. We're going to mm -hmm. give you that three episodes from now. And I think that is the show's biggest fault. It just took too long to get to the payoff. When it got to the payoff, it got interesting and it intrigued me, but it took too long to get to that point. Yeah. Mm. Now it sounds like just criticism. So I do want to take a moment to, to recognize how awesome the concept is when I look at it from a high level because it's not just about homaging to Hollywood from the 50s and the 60s and so on. What I really enjoyed was that these these callbacks were grounded in such a deep meaning for um, for Wanda was that you know as, as a Sokovian in a war torn nation. Mm -hmm sitcoms were her comfortable place they they were how she related to american culture before she knew american culture and i don't think that's totally unlike how you know people in our generation grew up you know we grew mm. up with right. cartoons on the weekends we grew up going to the movies as a pastime and so in a way we sort of interacted and and came to understand our own culture through sitcoms and movies and stuff so i thought that was that was really relatable and just really well done in the sense that the reason that uh wanda created this whole universe was because at some really deep level this universe is is how she was is how her I'm losing the words. It's how she built her understanding of her world and her culture was, yeah. was the TV. Yeah. 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 No, it, it, it's something that, yeah, we, we were talking about the criticisms of it, but yeah, there was so much stuff they did so right here. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really appreciated how, how authentic they were to that fifties television feel. They, they really captured it. The costumes, the sets, even, even the humor, and, and how the side characters portrayed their characters, very much something out of the Honeymooners or Dick Van Dyke. It just, it felt really authentic. And uh, you can definitely see that Marvel took its time to to get this right. And um, I, I shouldn't be surprised because Marvel has always been great when it comes to detail. And they've always been great about capturing things the right way, not doing the rush jobs that we've seen DC do along the way. 
and do the the half-assed kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we've always said too, and and this is something I really wanted to talk about, especially because we always talk about how well DC does TV compared to Marvel. You know, we've seen the Marvel shows, and they have not compared to the movies, just like the DC shows have not compared, or the movies DC movies haven't compared to the shows. Mm. Do you think this is the first Marvel show that really has captured the spirit of the movies compared to the other ones? Well, this is the I this is the first TV show where they're well, no, I actually I haven't seen some of the other more recent ones like Agent Carter that were a bit more tied into the MCU's timeline. Mm-hmm. But um what was your question, Mike? Sorry, I lost it as I was talking. Um, do you do you think <laughs> that's okay? Do you think that um, that this show did the Marvel movie universe justice? Because we know the previous that show means really no. That's a, that's <laughs> Alistair's basic. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed the I. There were parts of it that I really enjoyed the filling out of yeah of Wanda's backstory. Um, I enjoyed they expanded on Monica Rambaugh's character a little bit, though I don't fully understand yet how. Um, but um, yeah, I I agree with Dan. I think there could have been more done um, with the amount of time that they had with the show than what they actually do with the show to develop the characters. Um, I also don't want Marvel to feel like they have to fit the TV shows into the timeline um to be worthwhile because i really enjoyed daredevil and i really enjoyed um luke cage and i and and jessica jones um all three of those were great and i and punisher i mean almost all of them iron fist i i will never concede i don't think he forgot iron fist (laughs) but i my my only concern with the with these new tv shows coming out is that if 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 they're too successful that we won't ever kind of go back to those because they had a, they had a different feel to them. And I think they were engaging a different audience than the yeah. a more mature audience um, than these ones are intended to. But is, yeah, is, I, Dare, is Daredevil yeah. in all those other shows, Jessica Jones, are those supposed to be tied to the cinematic universe? Or are they supposed to be just like their own side thing? Well, they're tied together, but I don't know that they necessarily made a, made a huge effort Um to tie them to the broader universe. Uh, There might be subtle references from here. Yeah, I was going to say, they are tied to the Marvel universe in more than just a theory that they're in the same universe because they're from the same story arcs and production company and comic books. They Mm -hmm. actually do make references to, you know, what happened in New York, Mm -hmm. um, which would be the first Avengers movie. So it's, it's... canonically part of the of the marvel cinematic universe but they don't really spend any time trying to to do anything with that yeah Yeah. and and that was going to be my similar answer too is i really really enjoyed daredevil jessica jones um you know i liked i liked all of them to be honest uh i even liked iron fist even I mean, it totally disappointed me, and maybe we could talk about it on another episode. But I just there's not enough um, there's not enough kung fu movies anymore, and so I really enjoyed yeah. it as as a kung fu show. And that you know, even then, it kind of disappointed me. But I, I still there's a show on TV now called Kung Fu. <laughs> Is there really? 
It's on the CW. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, but also, yes, in that this is the first Marvel TV series that is explicitly connected to the big arc that I have cared to watch. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Um, I think I missed the Even- boat on Agent Carter. I watched yeah, the well, pilot and I enjoyed it. Was only on it. Two seasons. it got canceled anyway. Yeah. Um, they just but, end up feeling like lower budget Marvel films when you yeah. watch them. Ages yeah. of Shield felt to me it felt like a cheap version of the movies, and I never yeah. got involved in it. I know, like towards the end of Agents and Shield, they really started to really tie things together at points. Like I, I know, like people criticized it because when the blip happened, they they didn't really cover it in Agents of Shield. They kind of like skipped over it, but then like later on, they mentioned it. So. To me, they just did things so ass backwards that to me, I just felt no connection to it. So that leads to a point where I thought WandaVision handled the blip really well. Yeah, yeah. agreed. I mm-hmm. thought them doing it through the perspective of of Rambo was just awesome. Yeah. That felt mm-hmm. really cool. That was an episode where you were like, oh, have you all been watching the uh, um, the Falcon and Winter Soldier? Or did you watch through it? I haven't watched it because they they, tre- they, yeah. they treated a, they treated the blip a bit uh, more within the first couple episodes. They introduced this global initiative to handle the the individuals coming back and finding other people ha- are now inhabiting their homes and they and they're displaced yeah. and uh, that it's called the GNC. Um, but yeah, they've been really doing a cool job building out the ramifications of the blip and the TV shows. Yeah. GNC vitamins? I, huh? GNC vitamins? <laughs> <laughs> I, I am always into when shows explore logistical questions like that. They mm-hmm. just end up being mm-hmm. interesting, you know? Yeah. yeah. They, it's like the writers allowed themselves to say, okay, what if this was real? What mm-hmm. kind of problems would we encounter? And that mm-hmm. that treatment of a plot mechanic is immersive for me, and it's enjoyable mm-hmm. to watch that fold out. Yeah, um, I'm curious, uh, um, and what you all thought about Agatha as a villain? This I'm conflicted on a little bit. I, I, I to be honest, I thought they waited a little too long mm-hmm. for that for that thing, and I suspected her. Because I know the actress and she's and she's in a lot of stuff. And to me, she was too high profile of an actress to just be the the side character. So I, I immediately knew that that she was up to something more sinister than what was going on because she had to have more of a purpose. Mm-hmm. So to me, I just kind of kept waiting for the ball to drop with her. Mm-hmm. And when it finally did, it just kind of felt like Oh yay! I already knew it. I don't know how Wanda didn't know. That's yeah. kind of how I felt. And then I just kind of I didn't necessarily care for the the flashbacks of her hmm. either. Um, yeah, but another pacing I, I issue. Yeah, I I yeah. don't know. I, to me, I'm I'm kind of glad that I'm hoping that this is just kind of the one off. She's just in this sh- show when she's done. I'm hoping that. They're not going to revisit her because I don't know if there's much of a purpose sure. to revisit her considering how they wrap her up here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Wanda trapped her in her own mind for all of time. Mm-hmm. And you she's know, powerless. 
<laughs> I'm I'm the opposite, not in my evaluation of of Agnes as a character, but I I'd never read Scarlet Witch. I didn't know that Agatha Harkness was a villain. Um, and I kind of figured Disney has a budget that they can bring anyone in they want to. You know, a lot of the one episode people were kind of big names. There wasn't really any, you know, well, that's not true. But it I just sure. I I didn't see it coming. And then when it happened, I was like, oh. And it was just jarring to to see in one episode everything was trotted out and explained. And I don't know that they did a great job telegraphing to the non-comic book reader mm -hmm. about about Agatha. Because yeah. I think Agnes was probably the biggest clue that her name was Agnes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it wasn't even on my radar. And so it, it felt really abrupt to me. And maybe I'm just slow, but... Yeah. No, it, it felt that way to me, too. And I, looking back, I still don't know that they did a very good job of, of giving signs that she was not um, duped like the rest of the town by, by Wanda, um, that she mm -hmm. was independent and just kind of playing along. There's a couple moments where it seemed like she was breaking character, but I, I mm -hmm. thought that was the waning of Wanda's influence um, just in, in moments of weakness. I was, I was actually, I, I really didn't like the, I, it felt contrived to me, sort of like what you were saying, Mike, like it felt rushed. What mm -hmm. I was hoping when it first happened, because it was happening at a time when Wanda was starting to question, am I the villain of this story? Mm -hmm. Um, mm. and I thought that she was projecting the villain on somebody else in a way of dealing with that to convince herself that she wasn't, she wasn't the villain. That's interesting. And yeah. I was actually, I really liked that idea and was excited to get to that next phase of her grief. But then when I realized it was just this kind of contrived villain that was, that was just going to be with us for an episode, it was just kind of strange. Um, yeah. I did really enjoy their last battle, and I loved how Wanda was distracting her with her blasts um, in order to etch the runes on the sky. That was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the other thing that I kind of came away from WandaVision wondering is if they've painted themselves into a corner with Wanda's abilities because she was already very strong. I mean, strong enough to create uh, an alternate reality of, of mm -hmm. a mile and a half radius before she kind of manifested her her, um, her full Scarlet Witch self uh, at mm -hmm. the end of the series. And um, I just don't know where they'll go from here if they'll just have to artificially tame her in future movies to kind of keep a bridle on her powers, like to keep her from overwhelming it's kind anybody. It's kind of like the, her way. the Captain Marvel issue. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I've heard people a lot of people have made comments about how Scarlet Witch is, is actually the most powerful Avenger, and I can kind of see the point of view of that to a degree, because like you said, Al, about the about the about the big bubble she was able to project and the mm -hmm. fact that we were able to see that she could expand it even further, and I think that the, the, the possibilities of her expanding it even further than that is a very big possibility, especially with now having Agnes's powers in mm -hmm. her as well. Yeah. Um but I don't know if I'd go as far as say she's the strongest Avenger, though, because if you look at the rest of them, like, like you look at Thor, you look at Captain Marvel, um, I mean, I guess she has more powers. She's more powerful in the sense of a, of a power. But mm -hmm. would I sit there and immediately, in a battle, would I immediately pick her? 
I don't think that I would. Yeah. I think, I think sure. Yeah. Go, sorry. Go ahead, Dan. I was just going to say, I don't think her power necessarily comes from her ability to exhibit power in and of herself. I think her power comes from her ability to control others. I mean, when Hulk wrecked that town, it was because Scarlet Witch got into his head. Mm. I mean, when all of them were kind of, you know, pissed at each other and having terrible dreams, that was because Scarlet Witch at the behest of Ultron was, was, you know, influencing them all. The fact that Vision couldn't hold her at the Avengers Center because... She could shove him underground a hundred yards, you know, and and so I think then um, I we never really got to see her go against Captain Marvel, but I think her ability is, you know, she kind of can't be touched. Yeah, well, there's a manipulative factor, and uh, like not in like the psychological, well, yeah, in the psychological sense, but even just in being able to manipulate reality. Um, yeah, and I, I. It might not be in in the form of brute force like some of the other Avengers, like she, right. like how Thor smashes down and makes a, you know, lightning ripples for a while. But um, I, I was amazed that she was able to create, in some way, sentient creatures. I mean, Vision was sentient, um, and yeah. her sons, yeah. as far as I could tell based on scenes where they were acting independently when she wasn't even around, were sentient in some shape or form. Mm -hmm. um, and well, that, and I just, think that's yeah. what amazed and attracted Agatha, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if we could circle back to Agatha. So apparently, because I'm trying to see if anyone else caught, you know, was able to predict it like Mike was. Hmm. Um, she talks about her, her wedding anniversary being on June 2nd. She talks about, oh, the only way if her husband would remember her wedding anniversary if there was a beer named June 2nd. Apparently, June 2nd, 1692, is when the Salem Witch Trials began. <laughs> oh, okay. um, and so I'm not sure if, if that is so on the nose. But then again, you know, when, when Vision meets her in the car, she's in a witch costume. Um, and those are the two, I think, obvious connections you could make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Mike, you had asked earlier about doing the Marvel Universe justice. And another thing that comes to mind with that was, was Evan Peters' cameo. Um, and I remember yeah. really, really enjoying reading the fan base's theories about what, what, where that was going, if Magneto was going to be introduced if this mm -hmm. was their opportunity to connect the X-Men. And I was, that was another piece that, that it just fell flat. I mean, he just all of a sudden disappeared yeah. in one of the episodes and uh, just seemed like a missed opportunity there too. Um, like, let's just throw him in there for a couple episodes for some, you know, some lip service to X-Men without actually giving lip service because he didn't really seem to be, uh, he had the powers of the X-Men Quicksilver, but he didn't necessarily seem to have as a character the backstory of that individual. Like, why was he in town? He seemed yeah. like he was, he was a resident of that town. Yeah, uh, I, had, I had a serious problem with it. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you because, you know, watching the first class movies and seeing how well he plays that part in first mm -hmm. class. And I know a lot of people are upset because of how he's been handled in the Marvel movies and the fact that he got killed off. Evan Peters mm -hmm. so much as the character that 
now it's all screwed up to the point where that can never happen. So you can't connect that universe to this universe. But I thought when I knew that Evan Peters was going was to play this, I thought, okay, they found a way to connect the universes somehow. I didn't know how they were going to explain it, but mm-hmm. they were going to do it. Right. And, and, and how they handle it here, I just, after it was said and done, I just nodded my head like, this really was stupid. It really was stupid how they handled it. They brought him in for a cameo to play just for fan service. There was no legitimate point to it. Even bringing his character in for her brother, it served no actual purpose to the mm-hmm. story. It didn't put. It didn't advance the story at all. It was just mm-hmm. something there for the kids to interact with and to be a little bit of brother drama for Wanda. But that, to me, could have been used through flashbacks from Age of Ultron with her brother versus doing it this way. Yeah, I th- I think one of the things it did, and I'm not commending it, is it deepened that feeling of mystery and potential. And potential. so you're watching and you're thinking, wow, what? why is he here? I mean, Disney mm-hmm. knows that he played Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. There's mm-hmm. they, absolutely, they know it. And that is why they chose him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they bring him into this movie. And I think his value was immediate and short-lasted because it got us to question what's going to happen? How are these things connected? Mm. Where is this headed? Uh, and it turns out it was nowhere and he was nobody. Um, and <laughs> it, was then, a big, it was a big dupe. It was a boner joke, right? It was <laughs> literally. He was just uh, a penis joke by the end of the show. So um, Disney yeah, doing a penis joke. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> uh, so, so one of the things I thought would be fun to do, maybe not spend too much time on it, is talk about the shows that were referenced. Hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Because I. I enjoyed trying to to see which one it was like. And for me, for a lot of them, I was like, oh, this is this show. And it's like the only one I could see. Um, but So episode one, this was in the 50s, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I heard you say the, the Honeymooners. Yeah, I kind of got that Van Dyke slash Honeymooners kind of feel. Not quite the Honeymooners, but some of the way the relationship stuff with the husband and wife was very honeymoonish with the job mm-hmm. and his job and everything. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I'd never heard of the show The Honeymooners. Oh, wow. You should watch it. If you like 50s sitcoms, that's a, that's a classic. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, The only I think the only 50s show I watched a lot was I Love Lucy. Did you ever see The uh, Monsters? Oh, yeah. I did see Ooh. The Monsters. Did you notice any parallels between The Monsters and WandaVision? No, no. This is actually a lens that I wasn't watching for, so I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Okay. Yeah, I gotta hear so, this one. So according to the list I've seen, uh, I Love Lucy, Leave It to Beaver, The Honeymooners, and The Dick Van Dyke hmm. was episode okay. one. Okay. So moving on to episode two, I guess each, so that was 50s, 60s. Episode mm-hmm. two was fi- uh, 60s 50, and 70s. maybe even into 70s. Yeah. Okay. okay. So did any of you see any? In episode two, no, I couldn't think of anything offhand. So these ones were show. I must have been much more of a '60s sitcom. Uh, Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie were both ones that Bewitched. I watched a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can um, see. Yeah, and I thought I thought both of those played really nicely 
because of Wanda being a witch. Um, right. I know that's not the same thing as a genie, but um, <laughs> close enough. Yeah. Cool. Uh, moving on to episode three. So this was the first episode that was in full color. Mm. That's right. Um, I remember that transition. That was yeah. Fun. You had to have recognized the thing they did with the boxes, Al. What show that? Wow. Well, boxes. What what happened with the boxes? Where didn't they do like a a Brady Bunch homage? I was thing? Say Brady Bunch. Oh, yeah. they did. Okay, where they're all like looking at each other, <laughs> and, and even the staircase was very Brady Bunchish. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure if I watched it again, I would I would catch that spot. I, I must yeah. have missed it. The piece that I'm remembering is actually when they get to the '90s, and it 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 ironically feeling like Full House with the Olsen twins. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mary Kate and Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> So the other 70s, it said, was Partridge Family, hmm. okay, the Mary yeah. Tyler Moore show, and one I've never even heard of, The Courtship of Eddie's Father. Huh. Never heard of that one. Yeah, neither have I. I wonder where they dug that one out of. <laughs> All in the Family. Mm-hmm. Episode four... That would have been what part the part eighties into nineties. Yeah. Mm. I know episode five is of course like we said was that was Malcolm in the Middle or five or six. Yeah. Mm. Well, nine. Yeah, the nineties. Uh, yeah. I don't see four on this list. It goes right from three. Although you know what, four might have been very similar to three. I think they might have been kind of. Within the yeah. same time, did anybody, did anybody pick up what 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 show that they were uh, heavily referencing and shooting like for the two thousands? I so it felt a little bit like Modern Family to me. Bingo! Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. the way it's shot with her talking to the camera. Yeah, mm-hmm. which yeah. it's funny because I know like The Office did that. I know that yep. uh, Parks and Rec did it, but. Um, yeah, Full House is mentioned here, too. Mm-hmm. Episode 5 talks about step-by-step family ties in Full House. So that's kind of the one that you were talking about. And that's yep. when the kids were getting... Like, they kind of were able to go through all the kids sitcom tropes <laughs> right in a row. Like their dog dying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The oh, dog that, uh, that, that Agatha killed. <laughs> Yeah, that was random. She's like, that I kill them too. That witch. I'd like to use the other word with the word B in front of it, but I'll just call her a witch. Uh, gosh. Oh, man. I know. I forget which episode it was. It might have been five when they started to um, show some of the interaction when uh, between Wanda and the government when she went to the facility where they were holding the vision. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was my, one of one of my favorite scenes in the entire series was when I realized she didn't take the vision. Um, yeah. I, I, I felt like that was a really redeeming moment for her character and yeah. also one of those moments that deepened the mystery of mm-hmm. what was going on. That who is this other vision that's mm-hmm. with her? And I, I just remember being really excited at that point. My God, this, this is getting so good. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny because the way they resolved that or 
the way they fleshed that out by having the two visions talk about the ship of Theseus. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of on the nose. Well, I think it's an interesting thought experiment or philosophical quandary, whatever you want to call it. I thought it was just kind of like them talking back and forth about clearly what this was a was a question of, like who's who, how much of the vision is vision, how much is this, you know, created by Wanda vision, vision. I don't know it. Yeah. So anyway. So you, you didn't like that part? I, it's funny because I liked it. I like thinking about it. But I thought the fact that they were literally discussing the concept was kind of like they didn't trust the viewer to come to that concept or to to understand the question of which one was vision. Which, I mean, mm. if you think about Black Mirror... Um, mm. <laughs> seventh day maybe um or is it sixth day sixth day i think is that mm-hmm. arnold schwarzenegger movie with the mm-hmm. clones sixth day. like mm-hmm. we've we've talked about consciousness and replicating it and thought about you know altered carbon is an is a nice example of you know replacing the outer shell of something is it still the person and mm-hmm. and so it just was like hey let's get this into 10 minutes and have the two visions talk about this plot. Philosophical question. <laughs> yeah, it would just kind of felt like preachy. Not that they were like trying to get you to think anything, but just like here's the here's what we're thinking. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I am gonna be interested to see what happened. I, I was yeah, it was interesting to me that the uh, that the other vision left so quickly um after yeah. after the fact. Um, I'll be curious to see where where his storyline yeah, goes. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. yeah. One thing we got to talk about, especially too, and I and I watching uh, Wanda, watching Elizabeth Olsen play the part um, in, in the other movies. I never thought that she really was given the uh, the or or the material to really spread her wings in those Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. And here. I really connected with the Wanda character because she she played the part so well. All the emotion that she felt with with, with Vision mm-hmm. and and losing him and feeling the only thing that was constant in her life before she lost her family. I thought she just she played the role fantastic. This is the best mm-hmm. we have seen her play this role. And before this point. I could have taken or leave leave her her character before that because I didn't think they really gave her enough time to really get to know her. So after this, now I really want to know more about her and where her journey goes. This this show did a very good job of really making me want to see more of her in Phase 4 and beyond because she actually is a very interesting and intriguing character. Yeah, and she's a good actress yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think my favorite thing about the show or what I appreciated most was just how the whole thing was kind of a picture of, of grief, of, Mm -hmm. of the grieving process of isolating, having to face reality and move on and what Mm -hmm. that means. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that was probably the best thing that the show brought forth was just this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody's dealing with things and, 
just because you have really immense powers doesn't make you any less flawed or any more resilient to go through what she's gone through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to make mention of too, is that the, the last sequence we get, I mean, of course we're going to get more of Rambo's daughter storyline in Captain Marvel too. Obviously that's where that storyline is going to continue with her and, and mm -hmm. her power. But that final sequence, um, the after credit sequence, when we see the cabin and Wanda sitting outside, and then we go in the back room and she's kind of all witched out with the book in front of her. Mm -hmm. When that sequence ended, I didn't necessarily know what to take away from it or what to think or what they really were trying to convey to us. Like I almost felt as though they were trying to make her look like she might become a villain. Well, I was going to say, I got a real Thanos parallel to that. A little I bit. I, it's kind of like after Thanos had completed his mission, he hung up his suit and he became, you know, a farmer on some isolated planet. And he was like, ah, my work is done. And so I'm wondering if she's headed the other way into this discovery of herself as a witch. She lost vision, kind of lost him three times, if you think about it. She yeah. killed him herself. He was brought back to life. Thanos killed him. She brought him back to life in her memory to whatever degree that happened. I'm not sure. And then had to say goodbye to him again. And maybe the most peaceful one. But she is now truly alone. Um, mm -hmm. And I think for all her power, she's kind of been an unwittingly uh powerful what is it called what kind of magic is she using it's it's like oh it's a um, specially powerful kind agatha mentions it i can't remember huh. what it is but but now she's gonna study the craft and so i think i think she's gonna get more powerful yeah so yeah. who knows maybe all these immensely powerful characters are gonna have to fight it out maybe it'll be you know Another uh, Civil Captain, War, Captain Marvel versus Scarlet Witch. Yeah, all these, all these yeah. Avengers that are rising to the top. Yeah, no, Do you're right. She doesn't really have any relational roots with anybody else who's still around. No. Do Do you guys think that they're going to go that direction where she might actually become a villain to the Avengers? I don't know. I hope not. I hope I not either. I don't know that I would enjoy it because I feel like she came. I feel like we got to see her come close to that here and then come away from it. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think <laughs> after watching her story here and feeling the emotional connection and being able to feel for her to turn her into a villain would just kind of feel empty. Like we wouldn't cheer against her. It would be hard to cheer for the Avengers to, to take her down because we don't want to see her get killed. Even if she somehow goes a little crazy. Chaos magic. Yeah, we kind of get why she's going crazy. It's not like your typical villain who's just nuts and has an agenda because they want power. With her, it's not a power grab. She's just emotionally distraught. And I can't imagine cheering against her if she would. So to me, that would just be – she'd be an empty villain. Hmm. It would also just be a very bleak thing to do. Um, I think the – I mean – People like I, I. People enjoy stories that eventually end up in a good place, and I. I feel like it's encouraging to see someone go through the full cycle of grief like she did, mm -hmm. and then finally be, being able to reconcile what she's gone through and to move on. 
Um, and to realize nothing and no one matters but the chaos. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think there's something inherently evil about the concept of of chaos yeah. in the sense mm-hmm. that it, it opposes order. But I also think chaos can be a nice disruption to order that is evil, right? So well, I guess you can... evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you can have manifestations of of ordered evil or chaotic good and and yeah. in that sense they serve to balance but like Esmeralda um, and Judge Lord Frollo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I, I don't know. It on. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm going to get in trouble if Mariah sees I missed that one. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where they'll take it. No, I'm going to be intrigued to see because I think um, I think her storyline, I know her storyline is really going to really going to continue in uh, Doctor Strange and the, the Multiverse of Madness is really where her storyline is really going to take off. Ooh, okay. So I don't know I mean, if she's going to be a threat to Doctor Strange or not. That's the only possible way the removal of the corner is just uh, you just extend the multi multiverse further back. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. based on what we know, we're going to get uh, Garfield and McGuire's Spider-Man back in here somewhere. Yeah. I mean... I, you know what's funny? In all of the Marvel media, the concept of multiverse is kind of just me seeing Disney seeing dollar signs. Yeah. Like infinite toys, infinite shows, infinite movies. I, I like a, a concise and neat canon a little bit better than that, but... The multiverse has been an amazing thing for Spider-Man. So who knows? Yeah, maybe sure. they can. Maybe they I can told Alistair about this. This part's interesting. So Sam Raimi, who did the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, he's wrote and directed the new Doctor Strange coming out, right? So there's a rumor out there that Marvel wanted him to do it, and Sony now has said that after he does it, he they want him to come back to do Spider-Man 4 with Tobey Maguire. Hmm. Man, bring back the best Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> we don't have to agree that Tobey Maguire is the best. We just have uh, to agree that Andrew Garfield is the worst. Uh, okay. You're, you're going to hate what I'm about to say, then. I was going to say I'm a little more partial to Andrew Garfield. But as that, the best? <laughs> I, I can't I don't know. I, I, I just I, I like the I like the little bit of the cockiness, but I I like his Peter Parker a lot because I like his chemistry with Gwen Stacy. Okay. I like it. I, I, I think your fault. No, I hear. I'm. <laughs> this is gonna sound <laughs> so like pretentious, but I know what you're confused about. <laughs> oh, I'm it's about. the Spider-Man movies themselves. If you pluck Andrew Garfield out of it. They're yeah. phenomenal. They sound awesome. Jamie Foxx does a great electrode. Wow. Gwen Stacy is a great love interest. You know, uh, mm-hmm. so he is the only thing wrong with those movies, I think. I think. I just don't like a cocky mm-hmm. Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. In everything I've loved about Spider-Man, he's been, what, friendly and neighborly. Yeah. Not like a punk Ally, we need you to weigh in. It's clearly okay. wait, 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 wait. Well, no, I, 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 I think thing. he's the best Spider-Man. So I, I, I'd be taking this conversation in a. In you, the wrong th- you think he's the best? You think Garfield's the best, best Spider-Man? Spider-Man? 
You, that what you're saying? Garfield's oh, the best. Yeah. And far. you're not. And you're not just holding that position to be my foil. <laughs> I, I, you know, I need to go back and watch the movies close to each other because I, I haven't really had an opportunity to truly use the others as reference points. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. That's what I've been doing. And you said that you don't like a cocky Spider-Man, right? He's not cocky. He's just wait, confident. Wait. I don't like an emo Spidey in Spider-Man 3 either. The one that dances like a, no, no. a fruitcake. I, I, that I is, that's that. the most misunderstood scene of Spider-Man ever. Here's what it was. Oh Spider-Man 3 was self-aware and meta before it was a thing in mainstream superhero movies. And the way that, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they took, maybe they did take themselves seriously and they didn't think that that scene was a riot. But like that scene was funny. And I think they knew it was supposed to be funny. I'm sorry. When I see, when I see him doing this coming out of a shop like this and then he's dancing with these chairs and I just love it. I just love that they kept it in multiverse. I thought that was the best. Agreed. He's yeah. like, when I did this. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Okay. I just think symbiote Spidey should have been... not the best. But wait, wait, what did you just did you just concede Toby Maguire? I said he's not. He might not be the best, but Andrew Garfield's the worst. Uh. That's the point I'm sticking to. Uh. <laughs> By the way, I, have I, you seen Silence yet, Dan? Andrew Garfield. Silence? Yeah. With, yeah, with Andrew Garfield. Uh. Uh-uh. And Kylo Ren when they fight? No, <laughs> no, they're actually they're priests together in silence. But check it out. I think. Oh, you'll like okay. It. Yeah, I, I'm I'm getting a vibe that we should just do a, a Spidey podcast and let this debate just be a a, a full blown meltdown. <laughs> I'm not gonna meltdown. He's the worst, and everybody oh. knows it but you two. So. <laughs> So, so um, since we're talking about things that we uh, we don't like, uh, my it's sticky moment in Wandavision oh, was every time Randall Park opened his mouth. I do not like him. Really, you don't like Randall Park? No, he's corny as all get out. Every time he spoke, every time, and I realized <laughs> I just watched rewatched Wasp and uh, Ant Man and the Wasp and realized mm-hmm. where he came from when he was first introduced. Yeah, and even then, every time I see him in Marvel, I cringe. I don't remember him in Ant Man. I'll have to go back and watch that. It's been so long since I watched. To be honest with you, I think I've only watched Ant Man and the Wasp once or twice. Yeah, it was only once for me until recently. Yeah, I, I don't know. To me, I like I like Ant Man one, two was okay. I just didn't like the villain in two, and it just kind of mm-hmm. yeah, the it was just okay. Girl. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it was kind of like a weak a weak filler in between Infinity War and Endgame that just was like, okay, you know what? I don't need a filler. Just give me Endgame. Yeah. You know, but I did love it. Darcy coming back. I, I love I, that. Darcy is hilarious. Yep. And I really enjoyed them bringing her back into it because we hadn't seen her since Dark World. Mm-hmm. No, and I'm hoping she's going to be in, in Love and Thunder now since Natalie yeah. Portman's back too. Mm-hmm. I feel like she'd have to be. Yeah, she's a, yeah. She's a great, uh, great comedic relief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boy. Yeah, she stole yeah. a lot of scenes. A lot of scenes in this, mm-hmm. in this show. And then they sequestered her off on some weird RV trip that came <laughs> to nothing. Mm-hmm. They just, yeah, I don't know. The RV trip from hell. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so what's your guys' overall grade of the show then, as a whole? Six. Wow. Yeah, I'll give it a six. There were some parts I really enjoyed. Okay. Hmm. Boy. Um, I would have liked to have seen while Dan's thinking. I I just would have liked to have seen more development on a number of points and less fluff, less less um, meaningless content <laughs> that didn't go anywhere. That's fair. Dan's you know, I'm I'm really at a loss for any kind of unit of measurement that would metric. Well, no, I sh- I should have thought about this sooner. I ch- I like to try to be clever. Overall, WandaVision yeah. was disappointing. At the end of the day, I think I was disappointed in it. And I can't really say why. I don't think it was poorly produced or anything. And I enjoyed it. I don't know. I'll just give it a five. How's that for boring? Ooh, wow, Dan, lower than me. <laughs> um, Jeez. Although it starts out slow, um, I look past it because I appreciate the, what, what they were doing with it, and I thought they, they did a great job with the costumes and, and capturing the feel and the homage to 50s and 60s television. Um I think besides that, I think the reason why I'm going to give it a higher score is mainly because of Elizabeth Olsen and and, and Wanda, because mm, sure. I thought her character was so strong, and I thought they did a great job of making me finally connect with her after her being around for so long. And I'll give, I'll give it like a 7.5, hmm. um, because mainly because of just I, I liked the payoff of her story and seeing the emotional connect we finally get yeah. to her. Mm. Sure. And and Paul Bettany did a great job as well. He did too. Um, Absolutely. Bo- both of them as the lead, you know, as the lead characters did do phenomenally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I thought those two were, were fantastic. And they have great chemistry. They really do. They have great on-screen chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like we're all kind of unified and that we there was just some disappointments with the actual writing, um, the story itself. I yeah, yeah maybe it was just it was creative, but the story didn't get enough attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it's a shame because I think they had a lot of great stuff there. It could have just been me- maybe metered out differently or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Hmm. Um, well, one final mention I should mention is Marvel did release a a real video a couple days ago that was a very shocking drop. So they released some release dates and titles of some new movies. I don't know if you guys saw the video, Mm. but I figured I'd talk about them. So Black Widow is confirmed for July 8th. Hmm. Um, Shang-Chi. Is that the the one with uh, the sheriff from Stranger Things? Yeah. Okay. I'm excited for that. We were supposed to get it last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, September 3rd, we're getting Shang-Chi on The Legend of the Ten Kings. I don't know much about Shang-Chi, so that movie I'm going into very blind. Yeah. Neither do I. So I'm I'm curious to see how that's going to turn out. There's a trailer out there. I haven't watched it yet, so I don't don't Hmm. really know. Master Um, of Kung Fu. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Maybe this is what I'm looking for. I'm sure it'll be pretty explosive. I think that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, like with the Guardians kind of fun, I think it might be kind of like huh. that. Um, November uh, 5th, we're getting uh, Eternals, which that's 
to me is going to be a very much a very team like style Avenger kind of movie. Mm-hmm. I think in a way. I thought we already got Eternals. Am I crazy? Are you, th- are you thinking of Inhumans? The show oh, Inhumans was that, that the that, one that was in production hell and then it kind of flopped. Yeah, it came out and it just it would look cheap and like crap. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then finally to close out this year, December seventeenth, we're getting Spider Man No Way Home. I know we're all excited for that. Oh yeah. So what's the what's the synopsis that we have so far for that? We don't really have anything. Uh, far as we know, right now, the two villains that are going to be in the movie is Jamie Foxx's Electro is a different Electro, and Alfred Molina's back as Doc Ock. Alfred Molina's back as Doc Ock. I don't know how That's they're going to pull that one good. off. So oh. you're going to tell me that Garfield and Maguire are not in this movie, but yet we're getting two villains from both their movies? Come <laughs> on. That has got to be the biggest smokescreen that's a bunch of crap I've ever heard. Well, Andrew Garfield says, quote, no way. He's definitely not in it. He's in the movie. He's being held to secrecy. He's full of crap. Yeah. Well, what's, him, what's interesting bucks to keep his lips from is if that's the case, then Tom Holland is their vehicle for revealing things upcoming. I think that's all intentional. Like they tell him, mm-hmm. Hey, you can spoil this on your Instagram or something. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, uh, I just think it's fake. Holland is the king of spoiling. He's been better since he did that, but yeah. yeah he is well, the king and of I, again, I think it's fake. I think that's fake. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you don't think it's happening. No, no, no. I, he, I think Tom Holland drive. spoiling stuff is a ruse. I think it's a marketing technique to get yeah. people to be like, oh, right. Tom mm-hmm. Holland, he told us about it. It's a leak. It's a leak. Yeah. It's a leak. He yeah. can't do that. Why does it happen numerous times then? And he's still around. He'd get fired if it wasn't supposed to happen. It is interesting, though, to think about how much some of these big faces could push and be jerks, you know? Oh, like, yeah. You can't take every hero and just replace him with Mark Ruffalo. So <laughs> a lot of them probably have True. quite a bit of influence. True. So. Um, going in the next year, March 25th, 2022, Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness. Definitely awesome. excited for that one. Elizabeth Olsen said the movie's going to be very much like a horror film. So that intrigues oh. me. Yeah, that that actually turns me off a touch. But I'm, I'm still interested. <laughs> Uh, May 6th, Thor Love and Thunder. Ugh. <laughs> what? It's okay. They they still have time up until they release in theaters to change the name. So, Oh, see, <laughs> I think... That's the yeah. name of the comic. They can't change the title. <laughs> to be honest, when they, when they, when they titled Just Thor Ragnarok, like a- I thought that name was absurd at first, but then... <laughs> I understood why they called it that. It just mm-hmm. sounds like a motel with rooms by the hour. Love and thunder. Love and thunder. <laughs> I don't know. Thor has been crushing it. It brought us like the most unique movie of phase two in Thor two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I feel like it also brought us the balanced tenor of guardians in phase three mm-hmm. i don't know i i love the changes the characters go through i love the pain that they yeah yeah thor, no, I'm, I'm, I, I feel thor. like i'm gonna love it yeah I'm i love thor i just wish they loved it enough as well to not name it that <laughs> hey blame the blame the comic writers they called it that 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 that's just that's all their that's all their bag um <laughs> <laughs> November 11th, uh, Captain Marvel 2 has been renamed to just The Marvels. See? They rename things. But they Captain Marvel 2 is being 
renamed the marbles. marbles. Do you think that's the inclusion of Rambo then? I think that's the inclusion of uh, Miss Marvel. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Did you play the Avengers uh, Xbox game that came out? I didn't. Okay, so they kind of explained Miss Marvel in that a little bit. So, yeah, I think that's the direction they're going in. There might be more than just those well, so, two. Okay, but... so I was under the impression that Miss Marvel in the comics got her powers from Captain Marvel. That I don't know. Okay. okay. Is Miss Marvel just the pseudonym for Monica Rambeau? Well, mm-hmm, no. Not... Okay. So Miss mm-hmm. Marvel is she's a teenage girl. She, yeah, she mm-hmm. was the female counterpart for Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and Captain Marvel was actually a a male superhero. Oh, I see. And so Carol Danvers was the first one to use it. It's kind of like a Monica. It's according to Wikipedia, it's a moniker that's used for multiple characters throughout the, the story. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, February 17th of 2023, Ant-Man and the, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. <laughs> that's be a mouthful of a title. I, I, I like those more of his. Sorry, go ahead, Dan. No, I just said I liked those. Yeah. So you're okay with Quantumania, Alistair? Um, I... It could be better. <laughs> I, that I, just, I can agree with. I can I can deal with Quantumania. I'm just I want to see more of Luis in Ant Man. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. It's a good mm. character. I Michael Pena. Luis. He's so good. He's so good. Um, May fifth, the 2023 Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. So they didn't go with As Guardians of the Galaxy, huh? No. Come on, at least they're keeping their th- so. With all the politics and and controversy around that, who's who's directing that? James Gunn is still directing it. They okay. brought him back. Yeah, okay. he's still he's going to finish it up. He he did confirm it is going to be the last movie for Guardians. So I see. Unless they continue it without him, which that's it's Disney, so it's entirely possible. Sure. Um, I did forget one. Backtracking into 2022, July 8th of 2022, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. It'd be weird to watch a Black Panther movie without Chadwick Boseman. I don't really yeah. know how I'm going to feel about yeah. that yet. I mean, I guess that'll be finally their opportunity to give us indication of the direction they're going to take Wakanda. And it's definitely happening a lot quicker than they wanted it to. We all know that his sister was going to become Black Panther eventually, but obviously it wasn't supposed to happen this quickly. Hmm. Um, and then the final movie, which has no release date yet, but Marvel did confirm that Fantastic Four is happening. Mm. They are doing it, and uh, I read today that they are discussing with um, Emily Blunt and what's yes. his name from John Krasinski. John Krasinski. They are <laughs> talking to them about playing. Oh yeah. wow! No. So I, I haven't. I actually haven't seen any of the of the Fantastic Fours. Um, Don't. Particularly not that one that was never like released widely to the public just to keep the copyright. I recommend if you watch any of them, do not watch the one they made a few years ago because that mm-hmm. one is just crap. Total yeah, crap. but I love Michael B. Jordan, isn't he? he he's he's yeah. one of the better actors. He's one of the redeeming qualities of the film, but the whole villain premise with Doctor Doom is terrible. It mm. is. 
It really is. The effects work is shoddy in the final act. Now, the, the casting is not the problem. Who they cast yeah. it as the Fantastic Four is actually okay. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's just the movie just it's it fails around the story, the villain, the effects, just everything is just an, an utter failure. Whereas in the other ones, the other ones don't get a fair shake because the other ones are done in a very comic booky, cheesy kind of way. The humor is very juvenile, but the mm-hmm. effects are still good. Um, but when you watch it, don't compare it to the other Marvel movies. Look at it as more of being a comic booky. Think of like Batman Forever, very comic booky type mm-hmm. of way. It's kind okay. of done in that sense versus what we're used to now. Gotcha. But Krasinski and Blunt, that that that's our ideal Sue Storm and, and uh Mr. Fantastic, isn't it? That that's the ideal. I've seen so much fan art with those two and so many uh reface videos. They're perfect. They literally yeah. are perfect for that. So I'm hoping they mm-hmm. make that happen. Yeah, that would that would be really great. Mm-hmm. So Okay. Cool. Well, so coming up, we're supposed to be beginning our uh, our Jurassic Park retrospective coming up here. That's right. Uh, by request from uh, Mr. Jeremy Larson. So <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to that because we have the last one coming out um, next year. So it's a good time to do that, especially with the original cast coming back along with Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that'll be next. Uh <laughs> Hopefully that'll be all five of us. Yeah, that'd be and, nice. Uh, it's been a mm-hmm. while since we. I think our How last did... five man cast was was solo. Oh really? Was it really? Yeah, in nope. January. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while. So next time I'll probably be at a new place. Uh, I'm gonna try and and be a little bit more cognizant of what's what my camera's looking at and have mm-hmm. a, a setup that looks a little cooler like yours and Jeremy's. Gonna have like flashing lights and just strobe lights. Well, I don't, I don't really have a ton of cool lights, but I I might try and get something going. So we'll see. Okay. Cool. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining me. And uh, yeah, thank you, Mike. It's been fun. Do we? So this is a three-person cast. Do we say it? Ooh, oh crap. Um, usually not. It's okay. I don't want to push it. Al forgot anyway. Okay, we'll do it this way. One will say that's a wrap, and then another one will say cut, and the other one will say and print. Therefore, we all get one. That's a wrap. (laughs) Cut. And print. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. And coming later this week, we begin our Jurassic Park retrospective with Jurassic Park 1 through 3. read more of our reviews and listen to all of our podcasts go to lcareviews.com and listen to our podcast on all major platforms thank you for listening to the lights camera action entertainment reviews podcast